Hello there. Welcome to the Pastors of the Roundtable podcast, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, we are here together, sitting around the table, and um, it's the latter part of September, which means football is going on. <clears throat> It's still early. Well, it's the September. first part of September. It's okay. September September. It is September 11th. It's a big yes, day. Yes, it is September 11th. The Buffalo Bills will be playing it's in my New brother-in-law's York. brother-in-law's birthday. Is it really? Yeah. But it's also a big day in our country. Yeah. Did you see the thing on the football, by the way? Um, Trayvon Diggs is, you know, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. And Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Well, their mother was able, because last night the Cowboys played in New York. Yeah. And killed the Giants. Yeah, the Giants And tonight, Stefan's playing in New York against the Jets. So his mom gets to stay there and just watch both sons back-to-back nights. Primetime games. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Talented family. Yeah. Um, Rich family. (laughs) Now. Rich, very rich family. (laughs) You've got two superstar (laughs) sons playing in the NFL. um, And they're both very good. Hopefully they beat the Jets. Yeah, we will see. I want to see. We will see. It'll be it'll be a fascinating thing. So, uh, and October is um, obviously Reformation time, right? Where we think about remember uh, Martin Luther being used by God to kick off the Protestant Reformation um, and the doctrines and the truths that came out of that. Good tie into football kickoff. Kickoff. Hey, that's good, good. Spence. Thank you for that, Dave. That was good. (laughs) That was good. but today, going through the next uh, little bit here, um, I want to walk through something that I enjoy, and I don't know if anybody else will enjoy it, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I really don't care right now. I've, I get harassed, um, but um, but you know, we're going to go through the uh, Heidelberg Disputation. Has anybody here, before I mentioned this, had you guys ever heard of the Heidelberg Disputation no. before? Yes. No. No. Dave had. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dave... What did you know about the Heidelberg Disputation? Um, so I knew it was, well, the Heidelberg Catechism, of course, which I know came, I'm assuming, after that. Well, that was, yeah, that was later. Yeah. That was a separate right, thing. Right, a whole separate yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. But I do remember in studying Luther, I did a, I did a, it's been a little bit, a couple of years now, I did a pretty in-depth study of Luther, and I did a whole thing on Reformation right. uh, in October. Right, and I remember coming across it in my reading. Um, I think I read maybe one of the lectures, if I'm not right. mistaken, online. I think I didn't have a book or anything like that. Right, so. right, yeah. yeah so th- it's not a lot about it, but right. like a little tease. It's something that a lot of people may not know about. They know about yeah. Martin Luther um, maybe nailing the ninety-five theses. Right, um, they know that image, but actually, those right, those theses, those which are theses, are um, short, pithy statements that are up for debate Mm -hmm. they're intended to provoke a conversation in some ways and professors would use them quite often with their students correct yeah and and they're honestly a way to think about them today is to think about twitter Mm. twitter is intended to promote short pithy provocative statements and that's kind of what theses are Mm. and that's what these were intended to be to promote conversation well so afterwards right the reformation happens in 1518 though luther is invited to come and talk about this new theology um his 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 new perspectives at a uh at a gathering of because remember he was a monk an augustinian monk and so he was invited to heidelberg to come and um uh, offer these 
these his perspectives up. I'm going to read a little bit of an introduction from a book called The Theology of the Cross. Um, and this is an intro by Steve Paulson. He writes this, Luther's Heidelberg Disputation astounded its hearers in 1518 and has not ceased shaking the world's foundations since. By rights, this should have been one more in a series of dull theological lectures, among other routine business at the Augustinian Order's general chapter meeting. The one notable thing going in was that Luther was expected to take the opportunity in his lecture to recant some of his wilder of the 95 Theses and come to heel like an obedient friar. But Luther was now not only a friar, but a teacher of the whole church. And instead of splitting hairs and walking back as theologians are accustomed to do, Luther opened both barrels and delivered an astounding set of provocations that were meant to, quote, root out completely the canon law, scholastic theology, philosophy, and logic as are now taught. So Luther came here, and there's a chapter in the book that we're going to use for the Reformation history class called... um, uh, the unquenchable flame, but he has a chapter. Uh, the, his chapter on Martin Luther is called "God's Volcano," which is a really helpful description of of Martin Luther's personality. He was a very volatile uh, personality, but um, um, that personality could do great things with God's blessing um, whenever he was asked to. And so <clears throat> here he is. He um, is 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 here presenting his his theology. Um, his, uh, the things that are now governing his thinking. And so we're going to walk through these, these 28 theses because they're actually, I think... We're going to do it all today? Not all 28. We're going to do the first two today. Oh, this is a 14-week thing? There you go. Are we doing it 14 weeks? Probably. You said just through October. No, I didn't say just through October. We kind of need to get it in. We will do this. You don't worry we about need it. We to get it through October. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, theology is for all of life. Yes. It doesn't regard this of season. And Caleb Keith translated this from Latin. Yeah, says, yeah. He's like he's a uh, classical language. Yeah, from Concordia. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a good guy. He's got a podcast you can listen to as well. Nice. Um, so <laughs> does I love those Lutherans. You know me. I know you. Do. I know you do. I've I've hooked Luke Waters up. He's listening to these guys now. That guy on yeah. language. Not he doesn't talk about language. Oh, I was say he doesn't. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with that? It's <laughs> right. <laughs> Some people like it. We all have our cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, let's talk. So you can imagine here, Luther's here presenting these theses for debate. And think about these things um, that Luther is saying, but also I think they, they impact us a lot today in our what we think the gospel is. He says, the first thesis is this, the first statement, the law of God, which is the most beneficial doctrine of life, is not able to advance man toward righteousness, but rather stands against him. And then the second one, these, these, are, these are done in pairs, by the way, right? They're, they're meant to be uh, paired together, these, these statements. The second one is, much less could the work of men, that is to say, even works which are done over and over again with the help of natural law, move someone toward righteousness. So he's talking about the law and the works of men, and <clears throat> he's talking about wh- whether or not these things can help us advance towards a righteous state to being better and to conforming to God's will. Um, so that's where he's starting with, and we will see eventually where, where Luther goes with all of this. This is laying the foundation. So the first thesis is this, the law, which is the most beneficial doctrine of life, is not able to advance man toward righteousness, but rather stands against him. 
So first of all, first question is this, what is the law of God? What would you say, Dave? Well, I mean, Paul says in Galatians, it's a schoolmaster, Yeah, you know, that it is meant to, I would say in two, two things, it's meant to um, expose us as sinful, to expose our um, self-righteousness, and secondly, to then lead us. So the exposure comes first, which is the conviction, and then it leads us. That's the idea of the schoolmaster. I think Paul uses that out of the Roman, if I'm not mistaken, I did a study of that. It's been a little while. Out of the Roman culture mm-hmm. of being the pupil, the discipulus, right. the disciple, the student would be led by the schoolmaster in classical literature and so forth. Right. And so the law then leads that leads the person to the solution, which is the gospel. Right. So it exposes and it's meant to lead toward mm-hmm. something better. Right, right. And grammatically, one of the things that um, <clears throat> we think about when we think of law is law is always command. It's an imperative. It tells us what we ought yeah. to do or what we ought to be mm-hmm. um, and what I should do. So whenever Paul thinks about the word law, particularly in the word in the, in Romans, he's always talking about things that we should do or fulfill or accomplish. That's very important because law that's that. So whenever we're thinking of law, we're thinking about commands, not promises. And so the law tells me what I ought to do. It demands obedience to all of its commands. And uh, Jesus summarizes the law for us in, in Matthew 22, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Now, how many churches do you know that they'll say that is their church's statement of their, their mission statement? Love God, love people. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just the law though. That's not the church's mission statement. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just what the law says. That's actually everybody. That's creation's mission statement. Um, And that's what we're all supposed to do. Um, But he calls the law. um, So everybody has the law written on their hearts, right? So, Everybody who, even somebody who hasn't gone to church ever, they've got the work of the law written on their hearts. Um, regardless of, of who you are, you have some remnants of what you know is right and what you ought to do or who you should be. Um, and that is distorted, but you still have some, some, some notion of that. But the law is described here as the most beneficial doctrine of life. Um, Tim, what is beneficial about the law and why is it the most beneficial doctrine of life? I think what he means is what Paul's talking about in Romans seven, that apart from the law, I wouldn't have known sin. I wouldn't have known my separation from God. And so the law tells us that, which then makes us yearn for God to help us with that solution to figure out how to, how to solve that problem. Most people don't think about the law as a, uh, as uh, they think about the law as the solution to the problem though. Most people, We're, you're thinking about it from a Christian perspective, but I'm thinking yeah, yeah. like most people well, I mean, think. Even David, though, we just went through Psalm 19 together. Even David mm-hmm. talked about the law as being sweet. He loved having it um, because it does. It also speaks to God's holiness. We know that He is perfect in all those things, so it does point us to that as that as well. I wasn't supposed to answer it from a Christian perspective. <laughs> Well, no, I'm saying, I'm I saying, mean, you kind of yelled, yelled at me for answering it from a Christian perspective. Did he not? <sighs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he was like, like oh. I'm trying to think of what would a Buddhist say. What would no, my goodness. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, Scott, save okay, the conversation. Save the conversation, Scott. Go ahead. 
Well, I, I say mean, what the Buddha say. I can mute you guys if I need to. <laughs> I had just turned to Psalm 19 because of what Tim had said that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It revives the soul. But I mean, Dave mentioned some already that it it does cut us to the heart. Right. It, you know, <clears throat> I think we even said earlier today it it pierces us, mm-hmm. shows us our faults, shows us our our sinfulness. Um, it also shows us what pleases God, right? What God loves. It's also beneficial. I think what you're looking for. It's also beneficial because it, if we follow the law, if society tries to follow the law, you have yeah, a better society, right? Right. right. Qualif- you know what I mean? Yeah. One is quali- that what you meant? Yeah. Yes. One qualification that needs to be made. Sorry. Though, for instance, about Psalm 19. I'm still thinking like a Christian. <laughs> for instance, about Psalm 19. Whenever he uses the word law, I don't think it's necessarily the exact way that Paul's using the word law. When he's using the word law there, the law of the Lord, he's talking about the the instruction of the Lord, which contains, right? So you mentioned the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch doesn't just contain commands. It has promises. It has creation. And it has promises of grace. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about, what Luther's talking about, and what Paul, especially in Romans, talks about the law, he's especially talking about it in its commands, in specifically about the commands, the precepts, the imperatives. Yeah, the laws so, that are given. So that's where I think is one thing that's a little a little different. Sure. Um, but, but the laws that are given are helpful. That's what you're getting at. They're right? good. They're they're good just for society. They're good for yeah. health purposes. They're good for all kinds of things. If you really, if you, die, I mean, we're thinking about maybe sacrificial law. But if you even push those types of things no. aside and talk <clears throat> about just the the laws right. within society that don't God, lie that God gave Israel, mm-hmm. they're beneficial. Right. About adultery, yeah, murder, stealing, all these things. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. And generally, like you said, you see those written on the hearts of people. If you if you find some unreached people group, chances are they're abiding by some morality sure. that is going to be pretty similar, like you said, yeah. to the Ten Commandments and stuff right. like that. You know what I mean? They're right. going to be... Right. Yeah. They're going to have some concept of... You're going to have mom and dad. Kids should listen to their mom and dad. Sure. sure. You know, you're going to have not stealing. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You're gonna have mm-hmm. yeah, all that kind of stuff. So and even people in our in our uh, culture that is consistently pushing against the the law of God that's written on their consciences even further, um, even they would have <clears throat> laws, small l laws that they think everybody should obey, like the law of tolerance or the law of acceptance. And if you don't meet those standards, you are regarded as guilty. Or a bad person because you're not doing what you ought to do. So we have a. We, it's not like in getting rid of God's law. It's not that we've pushed out law. We've created new ones and actually tons of new laws to where we actually have a very legalistic society. Um, uh, whenever you uh, you can't escape it, um, it's impossible uh, to do so. So the Bible talks about the law as as good and righteous and holy. And the danger is though. Is that, and this is what Luther is pushing against. Most of the time, if you were to go talk to people and say, What is Christianity or why do you go to church? They think they go to church in order to become better, or they go to church in order to be a better person, or they think the, the purpose of life is simply to, you know what you ought to do, and so just try to do it. And what Luther here is saying is actually, the law of God, even knowing what you ought to do, and even though it's good, righteous, and holy, it has no ability to advance you towards righteousness at all in God's sight. Zero ability um, 
to do that, to advance you, to progress you, to go upwards. Um, but rather the law stands against you like a, like, like with the garden of Eden, the law has that sword, um, that guards the way out of the garden, right? Protects you from going back into the garden of Eden. It stands against you rather than, um, helping, helping us. And if anyone would know that it would be Luther himself because right. he, he tried everything he could do to get right with God, to have God be appeased by him and to the point of going on pilgrimage, you know, going to Rome and, sure. and, and trying to make amends for his sin and found that it was a closed locked door. Right. Do Christians struggle with this today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. In what way? We still, we still feel that we have to fulfill the law in order to please God. Mm-hmm. Even though we know that God saved us and has given us grace, we know these words, but we still struggle to right to fight that. And it comes out in all comes out in all kinds of ways. I think in our life, if you were to go to a Christian bookstore, I think you would find that this thesis is rejected. What do you mean? Because most of the time, most of the books in the Christian bookstores are about how the law of God or some form of a law can help you advance towards righteousness. Mm-hmm. If you follow these steps, you'll have a great life. If you follow these steps, you will be able to put to death all sin in your life. If you follow these steps or these commands or these principles, you will you will live, you will, uh, maybe they don't use the word righteousness, but they'll use, you'll live the good life or you'll be able to the have success, life. the blessed life. You'll have success in your life. All of those things are um, categories, I think, that we use for righteousness. Mm-hmm. So most of the time we actually don't, I don't, I think this, this, this thesis that Luther is saying, we, we read it and we're like, well, well, duh. But I think most people or mo- uh, many Christians don't actually, um, and we all struggle with that, but I, I just think this is more provocative than what we actually initially think it is. Because we typically think if, if I can, we typically think, right. If you think about the medieval, they actually would use this, <clears throat> this image of a ladder um, where, there was this, this, this stepping ladder from earth to heaven. And in order to get up towards God, you would, you would, you would need to make the progress up the ladder of merit. And you use the law, you use the system, you use the principles, whatever that was in order to get to God. And the ladder was from you to God. And most of the time, our natural flesh starts with, if we, we can get to God, yeah, we can get up there. Let's climb the ladder. But the gospel tells us the ladder has come from God down to heaven. It's not us going back up to him. It's him coming down to us. And that, it, that, that cuts across, I think, the way we typically think um, and the way we approach the gospel. I mean, think about so many people that initially, maybe the first time they come to church because they realize there's something wrong in their life. And they come and they're like, I need some, I need some help here. And they come to church and Perhaps initially their first reason for coming to church is, I, I just need some I just need some help. Kind of like what you said, Tim, about um, in your sermon this past week, where you said um, so many people think the law is just simply there to like you know clip a little bad part of you off, right? I'm a basically a good person, and I need a little bit of the law, a little bit of Bible to tell me how to make myself a little bit more improved. And that's sometimes the way people initially come to church, and then they realized, oh, actually. The law of God can't actually help me get back to God. It actually stands against me. It condemns me for all that I am and all that I do. Um, yeah, and so like a sign, I think, of people struggling with this is if you ever have a time in your life as, when you think God is, doesn't love you as much as he did before, mm. 
that's you're struggling with this mm, thought. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a time in your life when you think God's really happy with me right now, right? You're struggling. You're struggling mm-hmm. with right. this, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we all go through that, yeah. Because we we do know that there are things that we should be doing. You know, we mm-hmm. we know that we need to be in church regularly, and by regularly, I mean all all every week. You know, right. we we know this. Um, we know that we should enjoy uh, being with the church and Christian people. We know that, you know, we, we, we know all these things. I should love my wife well and my children well. And I know that I should teach them the Bible and teach them how to pray. We know all these things, uh, but we, uh, we struggle with it. And as a result, when we struggle with it, a lot of times we start, it creeps in that God's not pleased with me. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, right. I'm not a good Christian. Right. And don't get me wrong, there's a balance there of we do want to do those things better. I want to be a better husband and I want to this but uh when we start to deny the promises that God has given us that I never leave you or mm-hmm. forsake you and I I love you and you're my right. child and all this again we know that stuff but it just doesn't seem mm-hmm. to resonate at times. That means this is what we're struggling with. We're mm-hmm. struggling going back into law. Yeah. And uh we have to be careful with that. Because it's so heavy. I mean, it's just, it really is crushing to live to live that way. And I have to be reminded not to live that way because there seems to be a tendency in our lives to go that way naturally, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you think about one of the, the a phrase that was often used in Luther's time, which actually has never, I mean, it's the substance of it has never gone out of, out of use. Was, Say it in German. I, mm. I do not know the German oh. phrase. I only know it in English. Okay. But um, if you were coming to your pastor, right, and you'd say, I'm I'm struggling so much with my salvation, Um, you know, how do I know God's happy with me, Um, this, that, or the other thing, and they would say, do what's within you. Do the best you can. Just try harder. Do the best you can, and God will reward that. And that's what this is. They were offering the law of God and saying, "This this is the good way to live. Just try your best. Do your very best, and you'll be righteous. Do your very best. Try, and how much? How much of uh, um, how much of our of our modern day is trying to do what's in them, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. all over in all sorts of ways, right? Be yourself. Do your do what you know is do. Listen to your heart. Um, I'm going to use a Harry Potter analogy. Oh boy, <clears throat> I use this with Ryle today. Scott finally talked. I just got excited. <laughs> yeah. So you remember, doc, was it Dr. Lupus, right? Who turns into a werewolf? Yeah. Right? Because lupus means wolf in Latin. Right. Just so you know. Right. Pretty cool. Lupin. Lupin. He does sorry. not have oh, lupus. lupus. I know. Lupus, lupus is a disease. Lupus, I'm sorry. Lupin. It's also a Latin word. Lupin. Oh, professor. Lupin. Okay. So, yeah, he's a Professor Lupin. <laughs> We're all over the place. Professor Lupin. <laughs> well, anyway, he's a guy, right, who turns into a werewolf when the moon comes out, right? So... Uh, but what happens, do you remember uh, Sirius Black is another character, and whenever whenever the guy's transforming into a werewolf, he says this, he points to his heart, to, uh, to Lupin's heart while he's transforming. He says, this is who you are. You're not this. You're not a werewolf. You are who you are in your hearts, which is actually completely wrong because, well, I mean, it's true in that sense, but I was thinking the Christian life's the complete opposite way. Because we typically, because what we want to tell people is, no, listen to your heart. You are, this is who you are inside. Do what's within you. Mm -hmm. The Christian message actually says, whenever I am tempted to turn into the werewolf, theoretically, I have to have people tell me and point outside of me to the cross and say, that's who you are. That's who you are. 
It's, it's a completely different way of thinking, but that's kind of what this is. The law of God, right? Do what's within you. Try your hardest. Be your best. And God's going to love that. He's going to be knocked out because you just, you tried your heart. You gave him your heart, man. You did your best. You prayed your heart out. He's going to be, he's going to reward you. It's almost as if God just can't, you know, God just looks at your prayers and your devotion and your love to him. And he just can't help. I mean, he just swoons over it. Mm-hmm. It's so attractive to him, your, your devotion, as if that could attract God to anything that we do. So the law of God doesn't help us. It only stands against us. But then the second half, the second thesis um, is this much less could the work of men, that is to say, even works, even works, which are done over and over again with the help of natural law, move someone toward righteousness. So the second thing that he says, the law of God cannot help us in this quest to become righteous in this quest to be, um, put back into where everything is the way it should be. The law cannot help us anymore because of sin, right? We are sinners. We're sold under sin now. So if you're trying to put everything back the way it should be in your life by doing stuff, it will not happen. The law cannot help you in that way. Second of all, all of your works And notice where Luther even says, even works which are done over and over again, you can develop new habits, you can be disciplined, you can work hard, you can institute new patterns in your life, even with the help of natural law, which by itself, the law is good. But even those things which you do over and over and over again, you do those things every single day, they cannot move you one inch towards putting everything back the way it should be. That's humbling because that means then you can't do anything to put everything, put all the pieces of your life back together. You can't do anything to restore your life in relationship with God at all. Um, and so, um, right, we know what it's like whenever our, our relationships are like, you know, in marriage, sometimes you feel like your relationship with your wife is is uh there's tension there it's out of whack it's out of harmony right and we we love it when our relationship with our spouse is is where it should be there's just a harmony there and that's kind of the way it is with god our relationship with god is 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 not what it should be and there's nothing we can do to make that relationship back in harmony again and bridge the gap Regardless of all the works you do over and over and over and over and over again, they cannot move you one inch towards righteousness. Um, but this is, again, something which we don't naturally believe because, as Paul says, we, we naturally trust the works of flesh, of the flesh, which is the, the works that we can do in our human strength. We think that those things are, um, we, we overestimate our own ability. We think that we can do something um, to uh, move towards uh, righteousness. What are some things that people do over and over again that they think is going to advance them towards making this all right again? Does that make sense in their life? Um, Maybe it's not even with God, but just with their life in general. What are some things that people try to do? I think they'll give to charities. I think they'll try to serve and donate their time. Maybe it's at a school or at a veterans thing or, you know, something, uh, some cause. They attach themselves to these causes. Uh, some people think they're going to earn something just because they read their Bible all the time. 
uh, or attend a church or churches, they'll bounce around or whatever, and they think that that is earning something of some value. Right. Um, they might even speak of God a lot. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess there's a lot of areas that you could uh, could go. Some people find their value in family, and so they devote themselves to their family and family stuff, and they think that that is what is going to make everything right. They take mm-hmm. care of their mom or their dad or they take care of their children, whatever it might be. This is going to earn me something here. And so they do it again and again mm-hmm. and again and again. Uh, sadly, though, to to no avail to righteousness' sake. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, fi- they're trying to find peace in their life, mm-hmm. to find that place of wholeness. Um, and we're not saying, again, and we're not saying those things are bad, right? Right, those things can be very good, sure, uh, but it just doesn't it doesn't add up to anything, right? You it cannot help you if you're trying to uh, again. It's that latter idea. If you're looking at God in heaven and thinking, or or whatever, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's I want a happy life, or I want a happy marriage, or I want a meaningful job, and you're saying I'm going to use these things in order to find ultimate purpose. None of those things, the best of your works, all as diligent as you try to be, it will never, never ultimately move you towards righteousness. That's a pretty humbling thing, actually, because it then imprisons us completely. Um, Jesus says, if, you're a, if you commit sin, you're a slave to sin. I think what that leads some people, though, is to where you start to hear phrases like, all roads will lead to God. I think that's a natural progression if you're going to live your life that way because mm-hmm. then you start to think, well, why is what they're doing any less better than what I'm doing yeah. type of thing? And eventually you just come to this place where everybody's trying to be good and, and you you end up in a participation trophy yeah. mentality, yeah, you know, which you hear a lot of people push against. But that's what, that's what you end up being is like, yeah, life is just one big participation trophy. And in the end, we'll all get the, we'll all get the participation trophy just – just do your best and do what's in you. The really bad ones won't, you know. And so you think of it like a soccer tournament, you know, a soccer tournament, everybody yeah. gets a participation trophy. Well, that team didn't because they uh they tried to murder the ref. So we kicked them out. They didn't get the participation trophy, but the rest of us, we all got it, you know. Right. From team number one down to fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um and that's how we how we start to to view life and we have to if we're gonna live that mm-hmm. way, because you can't really say who's better. The person at right. the soup kitchen or the person building Habitat for Humanity mm-hmm. Homes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this guy says Allah is God, but this guy says, you know, they says that Yahweh is God. But they're both doing good things, and so in the end it's just about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's sad because it's a deception, right? Right. Uh, of what we're talking about. Galatians talks about right. it too, Galatians 3. The first thing that this is doing right away then is, is whenever we think about what Christianity is, what who Jesus is, what the gospel is, the thing it is not, is a um, the offer of a few steps in order to work your way back to God. That is, and 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 that's what we want to make sure we're very clear about is that whenever we come together on Sunday mornings or whatever you believe about who Jesus Christ is in your personal life, we are not here to offer you um, the the Christian message is not here is 12 steps that if you do them over and over again, you will be able to attain peace or purpose or righteousness in your life. That's not what the Christian message is. We do want people to love the Lord and serve him, but that's not what our message is. Our message is different than that. 
It is about what has been done for us, not what we ought to do. And that's that's why we we open up with prayer. I mean, Scott always does a good job of, of opening the service for us um, with reading the scriptures, confronting us with God, reminding us of who he is, who we are. We confess our sins. We sing. Uh, Pastor Dave leads us in song, and we sing and address the word of God to one another. Because ultimately, it's all about the cross, and that's what Pastor Tim did this past week and and does such a great job of consistently reminding us about the Christian message that makes us distinctive is this is the way, what we're talking about, these theses right here, um, mankind naturally loves laws, commands, principles, because we overestimate our own ability, and we think we can put this all back together. We can fix this, but the Christian message is you can't fix it but God has already fixed it. He's already done it. And that's the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. So um, let's stop there and we will start next week with theses three and four. Um, I'm excited about this series. Um, even though I can tell, you know, this might not be the most enthusiastic audience. I can Scott's smiling a little bit here. <laughs> You're just not allowed to talk as a Christian all the time. Right. Found yeah, out, right? There you go. Thank you. Just be secular for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Stop thinking like a Christian. <laughs> Moron. <laughs> My bad. Hey, you're the one. You, you did. I did not say said. the word moron. You, it was on your face. It was all over <laughs> your face. Like, I can't believe you just gave a Christian answer to that. That's not <sighs> okay. what I was looking for. Never mind. But sadly, my sheet didn't tell me your sheet. what you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. I tried to. Hey, at least I give a sheet. You don't give any. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, easy. <laughs> he said it. It's <laughs> not what I meant. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Now it got good. <laughs> it's hidden up in here, folks. I like this series more. <laughs> well, it yes. is. It is about Mark. Doesn't give up. <laughs> it is about. Mar- I'll say hey, this. Done. At don't, least no. you gave a. No, I give a no, hand no, out of this. That. You, you don't. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Listen, that you know what? <laughs> this is. That was awesome. This is the Martin Luther podcast time. So <laughs> he he would have appreciated. Look that. at the sheet you gave me. You messed it up. It has the same thing on the front and back. Listen, I'm you're trying say, to tell me it's right, but it's not. At least I gave. Look like he was doing. Something. At yeah. least I give a handout. Okay. <laughs> do you? I could give you my sermon notes. I think I'm sure Slater would love that. I could do that every I week. I have my own. Don't worry. Yeah, Scott has his own notes. notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yes. I'm sure I'm going to hear Scott's about. Scott's not the only one who's cursed on here now. <laughs> Scott, I curse. Wasn't it you that said it? No, it was him that last yeah. time. It was last oh, time. Yeah. It was the potty mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like Mark Driscoll. No, it's a couple times. Just, yeah, right. He just keeps going. <laughs> All right. I'm going to mute everybody. Thanks for listening. Mute uh, yourself. Yeah. Uh, take care, everybody. God bless. <laughs>